Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today we're doing something a little bit different. We're interviewing Stuart Bird. Stuart is from Oricon Group, where he is the digital futures leader. Uh, Stuart heads up a division of Oricon that is changing the way they think about technology within their business and the impact it may have into the future. We've been working with Stuart for a number of years now and have a really close relationship with him and Oricon Group. And we wanted to look into what a corporate business is doing to innovate, to change the way they do business, to look at opportunities with technology. You'll get some great insights in terms of what a business like Oricon is doing at a large scale and what they're doing to deliver technology even within projects and across their organization. Enjoy the podcast. We've known Stuart for probably five, six years now, Stuart, I think that's about right. Yeah, yeah. Um, been working a little bit with him and his team along the journey. Um, Stuart runs up the Digital Futures team and basically explores opportunities within Oricon mm-hmm. and how um, they can transition their business from what they do now to more of a, a tech-based influenced business where they're actually offering different services and different models through their business. So, Stuart, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, good to be here. No good problem. to see the uh, the studio, the, the meeting <laughs> yes. room turn into a full podcast studio. Yes. Right? Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. So, I mean, I, yeah, I've been working for Oricon for about four years now. Prior to that, worked for a very similar engineering consulting firm. Um, my background isn't in engineering, really. It's um, I studied banking and finance originally, mm-hmm. as well as, as Chinese, so I've sort of departed from that sort of space. Didn't know that, it's a real no, de- deviation there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but I worked for yeah, a similar company to Oricon um, yeah. years back, and I worked as part of them for, you know, whilst I was doing university, and just part-time, just office services type work, but I just really enjoyed the, the type of environment, the type of projects that these sort of companies work on. Mm-hmm. And you're, seeing, you're seeing these skylines and cities change, you're seeing these amazing projects sort of come to life and I just wanted to be part of that. So sort of moved away from the finance um, space, I always thought I was going to go into banking or something like that, but yeah. moved away from that and sort of found myself um, working with the digital team. So Andrew Marr, our current yeah. Chief Digital Officer, worked with him for a long time. Um, in the sort of the, the digital and the innovation space. And that was always fantastic because I thought, you know, I had a, a real opportunity to have an influence over a, a large organisation the way it was going. Some of the things that we developed along the way really sort of took off and scaled across the organisation. Just seeing that was mm. really exciting. So found myself in that space and I thought, yeah, this is where, where I need to stay. Yeah, nice. It's a, it's a place you can make a bit of an impact, clearly, especially when you're sitting at a corporate that's looking to do things differently, mm-hmm. um, which is where a lot of them are, but are they really delivering upon that? And they're all a little bit on that and some what your learning has been mm-hmm. uh, through that journey. So um, when you're, so from moving to Oricon um, and the Digital Futures team, that was pretty much set up when you moved there, correct? Now, the Digital Futures team didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. So yeah. basically when we um, joined, um, it was about four years ago now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when we, when we got there, there was no dedicated digital team. Yeah, there was a little bit of activity happening in pockets around the organisation, but there was no sort of dedicated yeah. leadership around digital, digital transformation, software development, what have you. Um, so I was brought in to actually kickstart and develop the um, start the digital futures team, and so the the team's really focused on um, more of the innovation side um, for the digital team. 
Okay. So we work very closely around the McKinsey Three Horizons model. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Horizon One being the here and now, Horizon yes. Two being you know a little bit far further out, mm -hmm. Horizon being Three being that um, you know, full there. transformational piece. We work primarily around Horizon One and Two. Um, sorry, Two and Three. Two and Three is that yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not the day-to-day -day stuff. Mm -hmm. It's about how do we actually transform the business through you know, digital technologies, digital mm -hmm. ways of working, new digital business models. Oh, very, very good. How big is the team now? So you obviously started just Got pretty small, but yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, so started yeah. with basically just myself, um, but now we're up to six people. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And um, we've seen from the outset, uh, from outside looking in, Oricon investing heavily in different businesses and bringing in technology-based businesses, one um, in the uh, 3D sort of animation space. Um, what's, what's the driver behind that? So yeah, we really see that... Um, you know, the, the way of, I guess, a traditional engineering consulting firm yeah. is, is changing pretty rapidly. Um, a lot of the work that is traditionally done by these types of firms is, you know, sort of relatively becoming commoditized, mm -hmm. you know, and happening sort of quite rapidly. Yes. Um, so we're always having to rethink the types of service offerings that we're developing. Um, what, what are the things that our clients are starting to, to value more highly mm -hmm. um, than some of the traditional work that we might yeah. have done in the past? Um, and so acquiring these sort of companies, bringing in these new capabilities, growing these new service lines is, is all part of making sure that we're, you know, we're sticking with the, what customers value. Yeah, we're not just you know, being complacent and just doing what we've always done and thinking that's going to always fly. That's yeah. always going to fly. It's mm -hmm. always going to be um, fetching us a, a nice um, profit. You know, it's the reality is it isn't. So we need to constantly be injecting new thinking, new capabilities, new skills into the firm. Yeah, so part sense. of part of my um, team's role is to to identify what those things might be, mm -hmm. um, start to you know lay the foundations yep. um, for those through experimentation, through R and D um, activities, and hopefully we can actually provide a you know a nice sort of home mm -hmm. if we look to actually acquire. A, external sort of tech-based company yeah, because we've already laid the, those sort of foundations. So when you started the Digital Futures, was that initiative supported by the company or was it more Andrew Mart doing an experiment to see if it works, then the company will get behind it and push that through? And now it's moved towards that with the company backing. Well, I mean, Andrew, um, you know, being the Chief Digital Officer, is obviously right up there in the in the leadership. We also had um, our previous CEO, Guillaume Swiggers. Um, he was the ex um, CEO of Deloitte um, Asia Pacific, um, and they've, under his they've made a pretty Deloitte made a big impact into digital sort of digital exactly. component. Yeah, so yeah, De Deloitte taken, Digital yeah. came came about whilst um, he was yeah. at the reins there. Okay. So we always had um, very very senior leadership buying for this, okay. um, and I think that that is critical. Yeah, you know, we. Um, if we were to you know, try to kickstart something like um, Digital Futures and try to undertake the activities that we, we do mm -hmm. without very, very senior um, leadership and total buy-in, it would make it very, very difficult. Oh, it's yes. impossible, really. If it doesn't yeah. come top-down, if that's not directional in a business, you're yeah. basically working your own little silo. And you can't push up. Money here and there. No, it's a challenge. You can push up, but it's hard work. Yeah, uh, exactly. that you would know in previous roles and positions, it's not yeah. easy to push up. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with yeah. the experimentation yeah. nature of the yes. type of work yeah. and not guaranteeing mm -hmm. results. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if something works rather yes. than, yeah, we know this is the ROI, mm -hmm. so yeah, no problem yeah. doing it. Yeah. I mean, one good thing that um, we've been able to achieve as, as our 
team and having that conduit, being the conduit into that high-level leadership, is it is an opportunity for other people around the organisation to actually um, you know, sort of go after a particular idea um, and actually get sort of uh, get these ideas potentially percolating to the the very top of the organisation. So when you like from an idea perspective, we all have ideas and we all have ideas to improve things. Mm-hmm. What's Oricon's position on how you actually drive an idea through the business? Is there a process that you run through? Is it ad hoc? What is it? How is the digital futures team yeah. so, driving so that through? A few years ago, we um, that was probably one of the first questions that we asked when we um, came into the organisation. We were yep. thinking, all right, how do people um, go after the ideas that they yes. come up with? How do they get the resources and the, the funding and the backing yep. to be able to, to do that? Um, and there was no real sort of set process. Okay. So one of the first activities that we actually undertook was to develop a, um, a platform mm-hmm. called, which was called Greenhouse, yes. previously called Greenhouse, mm-hmm. and is now called Propeller. Yep. And it's essentially an internal mm-hmm. Kickstarter, mm-hmm. if you like. So open to anyone within the organisation. Um, people can put up ideas yes. you know, as they come about, so open ideation. Um, but we also set challenges as well, so they're more strategically aligned. We say that the organisation is facing this challenge, mm-hmm. what are we going to do about it? And we put that out to the organisation and invite ideas back for that. So tapping into the collective mind of the organisation rather than a like few to actually yeah. add value to Just that. a general yeah. free-for-all of ideas around yeah. anything, yeah. at least aligned to a vision of the company's moving yeah. forward with and it. We don't want to discount yeah. that because we do want it to... Um, be open yes. um, because you never know where a good idea is going to come from mm, yep. um, and we don't want to be dictating yep. just the focus areas that we think yep. are important but mm-hmm. others might come from all sorts of different areas so okay. we do still have that open ideation mm-hmm. but what the platform really does is to provide a little bit of rigour around how these ideas are captured, mm-hmm. how they're made visible around the organisation, um, how do we stop duplication yep. of ideas. We you know, used to find that there was plenty of people doing very, very similar things. This provides us a means to actually join those things up. Um, we'll jump into that, so doing similar things. Now, you're a, you're a business that's in th- over 30 countries across the globe. Um, I think we had this discussion previously around you might have a team in South Africa and a team in Australia or New Zealand doing exact same development, investing in their ideas. So have you seen as a result of doing this, that, that change and that shift, or is that still occurring in the business? Now we've definitely seen a change in that. Um, you know, just having that first mm-hmm. um, port of call mm-hmm. um, for people to go and see what has been done yeah. in a particular space before just diving in okay. um, has helped yeah, join up conversations that never would have previously happened. So um, becoming cross-collaborative across all the different offices now? Yeah, most yeah. of them. That's a huge value. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's allowed us to identify yeah. um, particular trends or mm-hmm. areas of interest um, yeah. and more actively join those things up into a larger initiative. Okay. Um, so, for example, yes, we when we um, before we started, we um, saw that there were about thirty different inspection apps that were being used around the organisation okay. for different yeah. purposes. Yeah. Um, a lot of those things had been being paid for either to a third-party vendor or yes. were being developed as sort of lightweight solutions in-house. Okay. All so of that is everything. Dispersed, yep. um, mm-hmm. you know, funding and um, resourcing going to all these different things, which actually are trying to achieve the same thing. Yeah, trying to achieve the same outcome, just mm-hmm. in different ways and spending yep. money in all different places. So, exactly. yeah, consolidating that obviously 
if that's allowed you to do that's made a, a big impact in terms of spending yeah, and you exactly. can focus your money in different areas as well so exactly. uh, that's a big in, win yeah having yeah. the visibility across the countries and the teams you've seen the different sort of skill set that each sort of team or countries tailored towards and now you can sort of give them specific work that is towards that skill set yeah or is it like uh, common across everyone now there's definitely there's definitely differences between um the regions um mate you do have pockets of excellence in, in different parts of yeah. the world, um, but it's all, you also see cultural differences mm-hmm. um, amongst the different countries. You see different risk appetites and different... That's um, interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah, different sort of appetites yeah. to embrace yeah. innovation. Okay. Um, you know, we tend to... Who would, um, who would be the most risky out of everyone? And we'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, I've definitely found that, yeah. you know, places like South Africa and, yeah. and, and even New Zealand... Um, okay. And there are pockets of organisations there that yeah. um, that are happy to just give yes. things a go, okay. and it's yeah. you know um, they're happy to be mm-hmm. you know one of the first. Yes, they're happy to be the first after maybe they're happy to try process. something, right? Yeah. 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 Whereas okay. other parts of mm-hmm. um, the world, you know, think places like Asia and and even here in Australia, yeah. um, much more risk adverse. Okay. Um, people want to have seen it done. Yes. You know, multiple times and have been totally successful before yeah. taking any sort of leap into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you definitely see that. So, so there's obviously that. some clear advantages if you can plug something in New Zealand or South Africa to do some testing and some, some trial. Yeah, 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 get like some a, proof of concepts out there. And, um, that's right. Yeah, that's that right. makes sense. So it's yeah, up in the R&D sort of re- zone effectively yeah. for the business. Yeah, yeah. that sort of reverse innovation type concepts yeah. where yeah, doing things in, in some parts of the world and bringing yeah. them back into others. Yeah. So that change between the businesses, does that make it hard to drive that trend, digital transformation push through the business then? Yeah, yeah, because you are dealing with a whole um, range of different maturity levels as well. Okay. Um, there's and and of course the markets are different as well. So yeah. you know, cl- it, clients end up dictating mm-hmm. you know what we what we really can and can't do in certain parts of the world. Okay. Um, and in certain countries that you know clients, um, our clients are predominantly government and. Mm-hmm. The processes of procurement are going to be far more rigorous. Other parts of the world, we have more private clients that, um, you know, can be a bit more flexible with their procurement processes, which allows us to, um, you know, actually embed some of these things onto projects. Yeah, nice. Um, okay. So there are to- differences like that, and some of these things are within our control. Some of them, not, not so much. Yeah. So, okay. so some of just diving into a little bit on that. So when you're looking at change and different things in a corporate environment, what are some of the biggest challenges you had? You clearly alluded to one there, we've got different customers, different people that you're, you're servicing, you've got different countries, different mindsets, different thinking. What would you say like, the biggest challenges are and how do you how are you position yourself to get through those challenges and what are some of the wins and some of the learnings that you had across the journey? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think you know, Oricon in general is quite... Um, they're good with the yeah. adoption of new technologies and new mm-hmm. ways of working. I think, um, in general, everyone is open to mm-hmm. doing something new and different. Okay. Um, I think where the major sort of challenges come up um, for us is when we're trying to you know, um, instill a sort of big, significant change. Um, so to create an application and to for a, a team to adopt it onto a project mm-hmm. might not necessarily be that hard. I think we've established enough of a kind of a track record okay. of these things that people are open to doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's more more about 
changing fundamental business processes Processes, and yeah, challenge okay. the current business model. Interesting. That's yeah. when things uh, yeah, start okay. to get very. So difficult. everyone's happy to play a little bit, maybe add a bit of value to a, a certain process or the mm -hmm. way you do things now. Yeah. Um, it's to, when you, you sort of question, all right, is the way we're doing things now how they need to be in the next three to five years? That's mm -hmm. probably where you have a bit of challenge, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know, when when you can develop something that shows mm -hmm. gains in efficiency or yeah. productivity. That's no problem because that's an easy thing for people to wrap their It's an around. easy sell too, right? Because you're a fee for service by the mm -hmm. hour business, yeah. so they can say they can do something quicker, but still yeah. provide the same value. Yeah. So, but when it's around generating yeah. new revenue or tapping into new profit pools or um, you know, delivering a service in a different way, so okay. you know, traditionally, consulting firms just in general, and Oricon's no different. Mm -hmm. um, we we sell by the hour, really. You know, we price up yeah. projects based on the amount of human effort mm -hmm. that is going to go into it. Um, in, a, in a digital context, um, that type of business model no longer works very well. You know, we are continuously automating um, and uh, digitizing a lot of the, the types of tasks that we would normally do um, manually in a traditional okay. context. So, so rather than for us to just say, well, we're something that took us a week to do, now takes us an hour, we're just going to charge that hour. There's yes. a whole lot of R&D effort and investment that's gone it's into that automation. Yeah. It's, it's value-based rather than yeah. time-based. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. 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 It's, it's also more difficult to charge per value too. Well, it's so, the same for us yeah. as well. Yeah. No, I agree we with that. We estimate by an hour on the project, Yes. Mm -hmm. but the outcome is what the value is in. No. It's not Whether it's not we can do it in a week or six weeks, mm -hmm. that's our problem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. I think a lot of the time, mm -hmm. the our systems are not necessarily set up yeah. effectively to um, to ensure that we are calculating the effort that's gone into um, what it took. You know, the R and D effort, the innovation effort, yeah. what it took to get to that point. So value um, the IP, yeah. all the effort that's gone yeah. through the years of learning, because you can't get to that position and make an impact of one week of work to one hour without yeah. user research, understanding, investigation, it's, and yeah. investing to tech to actually improve that. So and it's exactly. difficult yeah. to then gauge value on experience yes. Yes, or exactly. an outcome. Yeah. It's what's it worth to the customer, not yeah. how much effort has it taken you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So digital sort of changing the game in that yeah. Yeah, sense. It is. Yeah. And that's, mm -hmm. that's when the conversations get quite difficult. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So in tying into that, so... Clearly, we're all in a world where things are evolving, things are changing. Um, the way we do business is is changing, and it's all it's going to continue to change and more rapidly. That's that's why companies like yourself are looking at how you can use digital, digital, um, and what you can do to impact your business and your business model. But in the end, it's all about adding value to that customer, um, understanding what they need, what they what they want, what they're looking for, yeah. not just now, what it's going to be like in three, five, ten years time. Yeah. How do you invest your time in that area? So digging in real estate customers, getting to know them, what do you do around that, around that customer focus? Yeah, so we do a few um, few different things. Um, you know, one is that we periodically do go out and systematically um, speak with our clients and, and um, survey them. Yep. Um, so we've just um, gone about that sort of process recently um, in a program called Our Digital Futures. Okay. Um, where we've gone out, we've surveyed mm -hmm. you know, 100 plus clients, we've done um, more in-depth interviews yep. with, a, um, with a good chunk of those as well. 
Um, and we've also gone out and spoken to a whole range of futurists as well to get their perspective okay. yeah. on where things might be going okay. and seeing how that yeah. differs from what yeah. our clients are saying to us. Have um, you seen a polar opposites in some cases, or is it aligned with the futurists to the clients? Well, there's yeah, there's uh, there's definitely um, a gap between some okay. of these um, some of these perspectives. Some some clients are very yeah. you know, very onto it. Um, and some clients understand where things need to go, but they've got their own internal challenges as okay. well, obviously. Is there a gap just between the futurists themselves? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. it's very it's a lot of opinionated, yes. especially yeah. if you're thinking 10, 15, 20 years in the future, yeah. not just the next five. Yeah, are we going to end Even up the in next world five where everything's automated, our homes are built automatically? Yeah, we'll get there at some point, yeah. but computers knows when everything we do. Um, I think you tend, yeah. to see, you tend to see the larger themes still yeah. come out there. So you might have people who have a particular backgrounds mm-hmm. um, or interest in a, um, an area or a discipline and then okay. that kind of starts to shine through a little bit more in, okay. in their visions of the future. Get it. But so they're like an env- environmentalist and it's yes. more about the environment yes. and green yeah. recycling and that sort yeah. of stuff potentially. But yeah, if they're a tech person, very, it's yeah, exactly. automated. Everything's automated. Everything's automated. Sensors <laughs> everywhere, AI everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. IT and 90% everything. 90% of people Nicholas. won't have jobs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But the, yeah. the themes are still, um, you know, the overarching themes are the same. Yes. Okay. okay. It's um, you know, it comes down to the fact that the pace of change is, is yeah. ever increasing. Yes. Um, where you know, the the complexity that in a business environment is yeah. is um, you know, definitely on the increase. Yes. Um, you know, confidence amongst business leaders is relatively low in that in that context because okay. we're going through this shift where, um, you know, we've just talked about business model change. There is huge changes happening to um, the traditional business models in yes. pretty much every industry. Mm. Um, incumbents are very um, unsure about how steady their ship is, basically. Exactly, yeah. Which direction yeah. they should be steering mm-hmm. their ship. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we're, you know, we're seeing um, themes around the need for continuous learning, mm-hmm. because saying like um, expertise and intellectual property and knowledge yep. is being digitized at such a rapid rate mm-hmm. that the half-life of skills and, and knowledge is, is constantly decreasing. Mm-hmm. So that what you learned at university is becoming far more far more quickly outdated. Yeah. Um, I think, I think from, from tech guys being in the university, it was outdated when we were there, exactly. let alone yeah. when we came out. First lecture so. of the first year was outdated. Yeah, the yeah. whole thing was I did a games course and it was 2000 and Three, I think I started uni. Yeah, about that, wasn't it? And it was, yeah. So the first lecture was talking about the Nintendo 64, which came out in 1996. <laughs> yes. Yep. Not the new version of graphics on the PlayStation yeah. 2 and yeah. almost the 3 and things like that. So, yeah, yeah in that space we've seen, yeah, the updating happens day to day. They are getting better, but they're still behind. Yeah, Because tech moves so fast. And, yeah, and like they in can't that environment, it's hard just pick yeah. something. They need to try and teach a way of why we're going to teach this and have yes. their background associated with it and have to go yeah. through their... Yep. Checks and balances to make sure it's worth teaching, and yeah. Yeah. next thing you know, it's ten years later. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly right. So yeah. I think the you know the major focus there is to yeah. make sure that um, for companies mm-hmm. that they provide the means of ongoing learning, yeah. continuous learning for their staff, um, and that really requires you know, thinking about automating tasks and actually freeing up people's time. You know, if you just if you're still um, putting people onto the same tasks, same projects. Yep. To replicate what they've done over and over on previous again. ones, yeah. then you know, how are you actually bringing people up to, to learn the new mm-hmm. skills that they need to be, you know, constantly competitive? That's what you said. There's a real big cultural shift within a business. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
businesses are being made to basically create a process, repeat the process, deliver the outcome. Um, but you, from a learning perspective, it's all about ripping apart those processes and looking at, all right, what can we improve? What can we automate? Um, how can we think differently? How can we add more value in our process to our customers? Yep. Um, so it's always evolving and changing, but yeah, not everyone's up to that speed. Yep. Um, we, all, yeah, we all can look at from what a futurist thinks, um, what a company thinks. So I think um, I was reading something around 8% of um, companies believe that their current business model um, will actually be viable given the change that we're going through. Yep. So that's that's little to nobody really. Yep, um, exactly. But how many actually are investing in that constant learning, continuous learning, because that's only where the results are going to come from, right? Yep. Um, capturing that information. That's probably another big thing that businesses probably don't do that well. Mm -hmm. How do you enforce sort of capture and structure of information and learnings within Oricon and the yep. business yep. through projects, through customer interactions and everything that you do? Mm -hmm. So the, I think that there's obviously still work to be done for every organisation mm -hmm. on this, but um, you know these sort of systematic means yeah. of going out to market are obviously um, mm. you know quite valuable because it isn't just about you know an ad hoc conversation yeah. that you know I've had with my particular client. Mm. We've gone out, we've done something in a more rigorous, yeah. structured, systematic fashion, and yep. we've been able to extract um, you know thematic insights from that. Um, but it's not just us that do that. We have a dedicated client team okay. um, across the organisation. We have client managers, um, client directors, who um, are responsible for building up those relationships mm -hmm. with our particular key clients. They are constantly you know, having these conversations, constantly recording you know, their findings. Um, periodically, they are doing similar um, things to what we have done, which is go out and do the systematic um, uh, surveys, and you know that is you know captured in in systems that um, you know things like our project experience database and, okay. and things like yep. that. Um, we're trying to you know build on on those processes as well. Mm -hmm. You know we're looking at um, how we use technology to better analyze the type of um, things that clients are um, I guess requiring yep. on their projects. So looking at their requests for tenders and their yep expresses of interest, things that they put out to market, and identifying where they're um, looking for particular capabilities or technologies or um, highlighting certain standards that they want um, consultants like us to, to meet, and to actually aggregate those um, insights and actually see how those are changing over time. Because they would be, if you're gathering all that data, you'll see that all right, client, clients are shifting mindsets that they need to be delivering this, and that yeah. gives us an opportunity, right? So yeah. solve the problem, deliver an opportunity. Unless you identify which clients are doing that as well, not just yeah. seeing that, and you'll know which clients Correct. sort of work towards the way you want to work, mm -hmm. yeah. potentially as well, and yeah. then which ones you have to put more effort into educate to move towards that as well. Yeah. And you know, all part of the, um, the, the transformation mm -hmm. piece is to, to articulate the, the mm -hmm. need for yep. upskilling, generating new capability, using new tools, you know that if the client says it, it you know, that's when people really listen up. So to be able to um, very explicitly show that you know clients are asking for new things as well, and yes. that is constantly changing over time. Mm -hmm. We need to constantly change how we deliver our services. Yep, you know it's that those are powerful insights. In terms of that, so you've obviously developed a lot of software and technology within Oricon. Um, now, how is that impacting your customers? Like, what does that do to your projects? I know um, 
you've actually developed projects and products that are really hands-on from the, the field force perspective. Mm-hmm. What is the what is what has the change been? Obviously, from a project perspective, what the customers expect from Oricom? Mm-hmm. Have you, what is what is that doing for the business? Yeah. So. I think in you know, overall, yeah. um, the use of some of these more advanced technologies yeah. and advanced capabilities is is really heightened. Um, you know, the the perception of Oricon's brand in the market amongst our clients okay. as well. Yeah. Um, they see us as you know, people to come to mm-hmm. um, to to discuss something that is sort of out of the ordinary. You know, we're getting a lot of clients um, see some of the work that we're doing in the, the machine learning. AI yes. time space um, and saying, can you come and actually have a look at this project? Maybe there is some um, some way that we can tackle this where you know traditional means just haven't. So you're actually okay. advising or guiding a customer through even their digital transformation potentially right now. Yeah, we've done so, a lot yeah. of proof of concepts yeah, well, um, uh, projects with yeah. um, with clients yeah. just to show that you know these new means actually. Yeah, and deliver the results that you're yeah. after. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these things end up having to go to um, the open market, yeah, yeah, that's procurement practices. Mm-hmm. But we have helped actually guide that client's thinking about how to formulate yeah. these projects because yeah. that's been a challenge. You know, the, yeah. they're also very used to um, formulating particular types mm-hmm. of projects and then putting that out to, to mm-hmm. market as a yep. as a tender, but. If you're not exactly sure what approach you're going to take, how do you like <laughs> yeah. that? You know, it's so like it is. Yeah. So, so that's hadn't... one sort of uh, way that yeah. we've um, been able to... It's a different type of value it. add, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of from a customer's perspective, they're obviously coming to you from engineering consulting, but mm-hmm. then looking in at what you're doing with technology, they're probably seeing you in a very different light, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of the business and business model. Yeah, yeah I think, okay. you know, one of the... Um, I think one of the major things as well with the technology that we've developed is yeah where's we're not it's not a transactional relationship okay necessarily with the clients anymore and it, it can't be anymore right exactly. no one wants a transactional relationship they want someone that's going to be there support them grow yeah. with them partner on the journey because everyone is on a journey right yeah, exactly yeah. so no longer as it's um respond to a attender yeah. deliver yeah. a project yeah shake hands and, and off you that's go the, that's yeah. the end and then we basically have to win back that client each yes. time yeah um you know now we're definitely seeing a, a trend that clients want to become more prosumers rather than mm-hmm. consumers. You know, yes. they want to be able to have the tools to enable mm-hmm. their business ongoing. So they don't want just advice yep. in mm-hmm. one at one point in time. Um, because as we're saying, things move so quickly oh, that, yeah. Yeah. that you know you get that advice at one point in time yeah. and it's um, you know, it's obsolete quite quickly. But digital technologies allow us to actually continue to have a continuous engagement with that client and actually um, you know, provide them the, the tools, mechanisms, mm-hmm. functionality, whatever it yep. might be, insights yep. for them to continuously make decisions or continuously undertake tasks. Okay. Um, whereas before, that yep. model wasn't necessarily available to us. Cool. So if you didn't have sort of like those wins on the board and that experimentation mindset, will those customers be doing any of this stuff on their own? Or it's only because they've seen it proved by Oricon that they're willing to then engage with you. They've got a less appetite, less appetite for risk. I think, I think some of the clients would potentially be looking yeah. for these things themselves. Um, you know, hopefully the the fact that we've um, you know we're out there talking about some of the things that we've done have helped spark new ideas in clients. Yes. Um, and potentially maybe got them to consider it earlier than they might have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're extracting a bit more value by doing it a little bit earlier than they would have. Um, 
but I'm, I, I think definitely at this point I'm seeing a, a strong uptick in, in clients' um, appetite for um, trying new things and, and deploying new types of technologies. Um, you know, even just a couple of years ago, a lot of clients said, we're just not ready, not ready for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great, really interesting, but you know, we just can't really take it on at the moment. Yeah. And I think that's definitely changing. Clients are becoming far more um, savvy about um, the, the value that some emerging technologies can offer them, and they're actively going out, you know, attending um, yeah. conferences, talking to different mm -hmm. vendors, talking to different consultants to, to figure out what the best approach to these things are. Yeah. So great that we can be in amongst that and potentially be you know, somewhat at the forefront of that. Um, but definitely clients are you know, picking this stuff up. Yeah. So without being vocal and telling people about your failures and your wins and what you're learning, then that wouldn't affect the industry as much. Whereas by being vocal and telling everyone about how you do things and have the demos and client nights and conferences, then that gets it out in the industry and it starts to shift yeah. the competitors as well as the customers. So you're making a change outside of Oricon, not just within Oricon. Yeah, I think a lot of, we actually have been approached by a lot of um, external people um, just wanting to understand what we've done at, at Oricon. Um, yep. They've seen the... That's why you're on the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, so they, you know, they've seen the digital transformation yeah. from the outside and they, yes. they've seen there's something special going yes. on here. Um, you know, we just want to you know, sneak peek. We want to have a look in what's, what's happening, how have you yep. structured it, where, you know, how have you overcome some of the challenges that they're potentially going through at that point. So it's definitely, you know, it is a... Um, Pretty interesting story, and people yeah. are sort of picking it up from the outside and wanting to know more. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, it's good to see. Is that like competitors as well, or just other people in the industry? I'm sure competitors are um, interested, but we haven't had yeah. any <laughs> necessarily <laughs> direct approaches yeah. with those competitors. But, um, but yeah, mostly um, clients and, and potential partners as well. Okay. People, um, people thinking there might be something here where yeah. we can um, partner yeah. with Oricon because. Because of the types of work that um, you know we're, we're undertaking, your secret source is still yours at this stage. So, just dig in a little bit more. Um, yeah, you, you talk about learning mindset and how you actually capture that within the organisation. Um, we've worked with a lot of corporates, and obviously, I don't know if everyone's aware, we work quite a bit with Oricon in helping them with some of the technology they're building. Um, that's why we go, Stuart. We've known you for a long time doing that. Um, now, along the journey, we've looked at like agile approaches in corporate. Um, some corporates are pushing agile as a way of thinking within their organisations. Yeah. Now, we've worked in, in collaboration with you in some agile frameworks, some in not so agile. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges in pushing agile? Because clearly there's benefits, but mm -hmm. there's also challenges around um, like how much budget are we spending on this thing? Yeah. What's the, how do we actually fund this? Yeah. That's generally what it comes down to and some of the biggest problems we see in corporate yeah. moving to Agile. Yeah. We'd just like to hear a bit about your experience with your Oracle. Yeah, I think, I think one thing that's always, yeah. always tricky is, I guess it's the project nature of um, yeah. um, an organisation like Oracle, mm -hmm. um, where um, we're basically you know, funding is set yeah. up to fund a particular project for a particular time period. Um, it's that continuous, ongoing okay. funding mechanisms are um, are not necessarily that strong there, mm -hmm. or um, that mindset of, of having continuous so um, living project support. to project funding rather than holistically. Yeah. yeah. So so what we um, tend to find is that you know come end of financial year, yeah, budgets. Uh, reset and uh -huh. and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. Hopefully, you get you know the same amount as before, yeah. and you can continue the projects mm -hmm. you have. 
Um, but sometimes, yeah. sometimes budgets do get redistributed, mm -hmm. and you know, that sort of hinders yes. um, our ability to do these multi-year mm -hmm. projects. Yes. This isn't a sort of a, a set and forget, yeah. you know, deliver and, and then yeah. that is going to run yeah. perfectly forever. Especially obviously, software related. Exactly. Yes. Obviously, software yeah. is just constantly ongoing. Yeah. You have to constantly um, upkeep it, constantly update it. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to have the right funding and support mechanisms mm -hmm. in place for that. Yeah. And in the, yeah, in the past, it's been a bit of a challenge, you know, um, having certain initiative funding but then not being able to transition into a continuous support and, yep, and funding um, model has meant that we've had to hit pause on projects yes. before. Um, we've had to go and seek funding from mm -hmm. other teams around the organisation that want yeah. a particular functionality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that takes time and you know, those yeah. conversations you know, um, can tend to drag out. So. There's always that uncertainty, okay. which just makes yeah life difficult. That's a challenge of corporate. Yeah. Everyone's got their own responsibilities, their own roles, their own objectives. And then if you're going to Team X, might be operations. Their objective is to get the job done, um, not invest in the future. Yeah. Um, you're going to marketing maybe, and their objective is to sell the vision of the business. So maybe you might get some funding on if it's really customer centric and engage customers. So yeah, with a working inside our environment in corporate. Um, the bigger you get, obviously, the more challenging it gets to become more agile. So, mm -hmm. how do you see that moving forward and progressing over the next five to ten years? Do you think there might be a, a shift in mindset around the way a corporate entity operates? Do you think that needs to happen to, mm -hmm. to really get to a, a, a frame of reference where you you are learning, you are evolving, you are as agile as you can be with such a big environment and yeah. big team? Yeah, basically, up until till now, we've. Yeah. Um, We've been developing these things to get to a point where mm -hmm. they are scaled across the organisation, yeah. being used on a huge number of projects mm -hmm. by a huge number of people yeah. to really establish that track record and articulate right. the, the value of, of our digital tools. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's certainly hit home. Mm -hmm. um, and that's you know, organisations like Oricon you know, are saying, yeah, we do need dedicated resources for yes. this. Um, we need to scale up our... Um, ability to to create and maintain these tools and to um, to work with companies like your guys mm -hmm. um, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Um, you know, many many organisations, um, you know, like ours, in years past, wouldn't have had pretty much any software developers. Yeah, and had a few yeah, with exactly. a few skills sort of yeah. dotted around the place, but there was no um, centralised um, centralised team of of develop, developers or, mm -hmm. or even sort of business analysts who could yep. work with external developers. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's, it is more of a learning curve and yes. part of that is to really um, have to articulate the value of, that these tools bring to yes. show that it is worth um, mm -hmm. you know, investing mm -hmm. on an ongoing basis into this. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's always going to take time because that, that in, um, involves significant business systems um, does, you know, yeah. uh, changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've sort of been chipping away at that mm -hmm. over time and you know we, we've always had the, the buy-in from leadership within Oricon which has always made things easier. It's obviously going to make it easier, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another challenge in that would be the shift in mindset to have support staff mm -hmm. that are supporting those applications. If yep. they're being cross-used across the entire organisation, mm -hmm. 
and the more tools you have, you need the support staff to help your yeah. staff. You yeah. aren't actually generating any income mm -hmm. for the business at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. yes. They're just yeah. there to help everyone else. So and the additional a big shift costs. in that again. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, all of this is you know, interconnected, you know, as we are saying before, where um, traditionally you sell people's hours, so having utilisation targets is, is always um, a key metric in, mm -hmm. in um, consulting firms. Um, so then, yes, when you do have people who are support staff for yes. tools, and that's like potentially seen as an overhead. It's a different number you're looking yeah, at, right? Yeah. So, so all of these business systems are intertwined. Yep. These complex organisational structures. So, yep. to try to influence change in one part means actually thinking about the flow-on effects yes. in all these yep. others. So that's and that's where a lot of our focus actually goes. Okay. Is, um, you know, the application itself or the technology itself is is the the interface essentially yeah. for us to actually start to influence change. you know the influence yeah change at a fundamental you know business model business process yeah. level yeah. it doesn't only affect the people using it affects the people supporting them what who they interact with how they interact with the business itself the yeah. clients everything yeah so yeah. so getting back to that would you say the biggest challenge in a corporate environment is more the structure not just investing in technology if it was like um unleash the power and the IP of the organisation and just yeah. open up the silos, you'd probably have to move a hell of a lot faster. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we live in a world where you've got shareholders to answer to, you've got stakeholders to answer to, and it's and we're in a country where it's very risk adverse, like you said. Yep. Um, it's not something that we're known to do. Um, we're, yep. we're happy with the way things are. Um, and if they're working, we're comfortable, and it's, it's difficult to change. So yeah. um, uh, Most definitely. Yeah. I, think, I think that's, you know, that's the... The reality for yeah. um, most incumbent organisations is yeah. shifting to this this you know, this digital business mm. model that yes. operates totally differently. Um, so I think that is the the major challenge. So yeah. I mean over the over the years in roles like this, I've seen I've seen countless amazing solutions pop up. Yep, you know, these brilliant ideas that have taken shape yeah. into into yeah. software in some way, yeah. shape, or form. Um, and eventually just fizzled. And it's because they're built on an organisational platform that yes. isn't set up to let them thrive. We've been change and shift. Yeah, exactly. Even from our perspective, we've been involved in projects delivered to corporates where you have this great solution that helps solve the problem of maybe one component of the business. But then the realisation is we're going to impact operations, we're going to impact finance, we're going to impact this, that, and then getting through that journey, generally roadblocks. Yeah, the awareness awesome. around that's really important. So yeah. it's key to understand who you're impacting when you're mm -hmm. trying to deliver a solution, yeah. getting the spine from all those stakeholders. Yeah. Otherwise, you're really going nowhere fast and you're going to hit a roadblock. Yeah. yeah. I think um, we're, we're lucky at Oricon to, to have a team yeah. like the Digital Futures team and, and some of the other parts of the digital um, global digital team, mm -hmm. because we are freed up to be able to help yes. um, unpack these things okay. and to um, and basically to dedicate time and effort into to impacting some real change. Yes. And obviously, as I said before, leadership yeah. buy and critical. It's so critical. we've definitely yeah. got that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you yeah, if you don't have that, you've got people who are innovating yes. as a side. Part of their, it's a side their thing. Day it's not the day job, yeah. right? Yeah, right. pushing so the vision of the business. Yes, with it, they're just doing it themselves. Exactly, and the, you know, when the the current business systems and the business model mm -hmm. keep throwing up roadblocks, yeah, um, you know, the the inevitable result is that, well, 
this isn't actually my core role. I'm yep. actually, you know, this is just becoming too hard. I'm just going to drop it. Okay. Even though there could be huge potential there. Yeah. So I think it is fundamental that you know businesses think about you know fundamental business model yes. transformation at the same time, mm -hmm. not just product or service innovation. And just that conversation there is why are we seeing so much startup and disruption happening to these big corporates? Because mm -hmm. people in those businesses and in those environments understand what's going on, and they realise that it's that difficult to get something through and change through. I might go and start this idea up in a in, a, in, my, in my own accord, get some get some general funding, and actually impact just one portion of what you're doing or what your competitors are doing yeah. or any industry, right? And that's yeah. why we're seeing such disruption because in the end, all the processes that you deliver, especially when you get to a corporate level, there's you can make one little change, and if you've got 7,000, 8,000 employees uh, adding an hour of time saving across that, a week is yeah. massive money. Um, and you can establish a whole business just around that. Um, so I think corporates need to be aware that this is why disruption is happening, probably because you're not engaging your people or getting a buy-in across your organisation around digital and what that actually means. And the limit that you have and the speed and trajectory that you're going at can actually hinder you long term. So when you think about that within your organisation, it's something that Oricon's done well, you've brought some people together that your objective is to get stakeholder buy-in, um, to drive that thinking through the business. You've also got innovation team as well. Yep. From what I know, it's about 40, the I-40, I think it's cool. Yep. Um, they go out and work with clients. So there's clearly a lot of investment going mm -hmm. on in this area, yep. which is why you're actually starting to see some traction. Yeah. All right. So yeah, after all that, we probably want to dive in, Stu, around um, some actual examples of what you've done and what sort of impact and learnings you've had. Mm -hmm. um, We've worked obviously with you on the propeller project and a little bit around field force. Mm -hmm. um, one that's probably impacted direct clients is field force. So I'd yep. love to learn a bit more about that project, um, what it's done within the business itself, how it's impacted projects and even yep. clients. And even the that. challenges you had in trying to get that push through the business mm -hmm. and then what the reasoning was to yeah. make your own version yeah. of something that the business already has to yeah, the tools being used. Originally started as a, a spin-off South Africa clip where we discussed a bit yeah, earlier, yeah, yeah. started their own thing, right? That was mm -hmm. what four or five years ago? Yeah. About that. Yeah. So yeah, going back going back about four or five years, we we initially did um, a survey of how many different um, yeah. tools were being used out to collect data in the field mm -hmm. on construction sites and whatnot. And we came back, I think we stopped the survey at around 30-ish. So stopped. Yeah, exactly, that's where <laughs> so we stopped. So, exactly, exactly right. We thought, yeah, that's enough evidence to show that you know, there's, some, uh, there's some opportunity here to consolidate. Okay. Um, but, so yeah, basically we, we went through what, were, what was being used. The vast majority were obviously um, third-party um, software Tools, platforms. Yeah. Um, but there was one that was um, born out of um, South Africa okay. that had been um, developed for a, a number of projects over there. Um, and that was field force. So we thought, yep, we're actually going to start to invest in, in our own IP. We're not going to just select a, yep. um, you know, a third-party software platform and pay license fees. Okay. We did obviously explore that yep. opportunity, but you know, the, so it was, was pretty the, significant if we wanted yeah. to open it up to so the whole organisation. Was it a dollar decision that made that, or was it more of 
putting our IP into this product? What was the decision that really tied it together? There's probably a bit to it. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a few aspects that we considered, and it wasn't just um, you know a dollar figure. Yeah. Obviously, that it has to come down and make um, financial economic sense. sense. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the, the be all end all. Okay. So we did we did um, talk to a number of external vendors, and yep. we looked at you know what type of cost we'd be looking at to open mm-hmm. this up to all of our staff. Okay. not just have specific licenses for specific Oh, that's things. across the whole entire business. Yeah. So we're yeah. curious sitting around 8,000, 9,000 staff. Yeah, we're, right? so, yeah. yeah. so we're about, um, yeah, we're about 7,000. Yeah, okay. So that's a big numbers. And these things are like 40, 50 bucks a head. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we weren't going to, we weren't going to give everyone a, a license. We didn't need to necessarily give everyone a license, but we wanted a, okay. an open, um, yep. you know, basically a, an open tool. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to start restricting people to having to ask for, license permission to log into these yeah, things okay. you know it's just it's not it's not a good user experience it's not what people are used to when they're using applications on it's their own phones i remember um people used to when we were dealing with some graphic designers they used to share their license um, of, of Microsoft because they were all Mac guys. Yeah, yeah, and one, yeah. you could only open the document. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's only in a group like of 10 guys, yeah, right? Yeah, Imagine that you shut down office, you shut down work so I can open the document. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we definitely didn't want no. that. No. So we, yeah, so basically we, that was, um, you know, we did get quotes and you know, yeah. they were pretty astronomical to be honest. Um, and we thought, you know, if we were to actually use that money and, and invest it into yep. the platform that was already there, mm-hmm. we'd actually be able to get a good outcome. Okay. Yep. Plus, that would actually improve, um, you know, basically the processes, capabilities, skills of our internal staff to actually yep. um, understand how to get these software applications to scale. Yeah, nice. Um, it would actually help change the mindset of the organisation to say, you know, we can. Um, develop software at this type of scale now. It doesn't have to be piecemeal. It doesn't have to be for one-off um, projects. Um, so it's transcending the projects now. It's not just about the project or the exactly. outcome. It's about yeah. the whole business and yeah. project after project after project, getting that return from it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, and you know, we thought this is going to give us mm-hmm. control over how um, the direction the product goes in, yep. um, and we can actually start to try to aggregate the data that's being captured in, in various different ways and use that for you know, um, future potential service offerings. Yeah, nice. Um, so there's a whole range of different factors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the main, um, the main thing that we're looking to do is to, to open it up to the whole organisation. We wanted to scale it. The, where it was at that point in time was that it was being customised. Yes. So there was a base platform, mm-hmm. but there was a heavy customisation for every single project. Depending on the the requirements. Okay. All right. So the the types of the forms of how um, data was captured had to be um, customized by a developer. User setup, you know, people's accounts would have to be deployed by a software developer. All these sort of things. Yeah, it just built as a tool quickly, I'm guessing, and then just evolved. It wasn't made to support an organization. Exactly. It was was to help um, deliver a a project in, in a tight budget, tight time frame. Yeah. That's where it started. So definitely did the job yep. needed to do then. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic, but we thought, you know, this is we can't we can't develop software like this. We okay. have to be developing it with scale in mind if we're yep. actually going to get the, the most out of it. So we selected it and obviously um, you know we've been working very closely with you guys to um, to get it to the, the point it is now um, where we're actually starting to offer it not just to our internal 
um, project teams yep. to be able to um, use on project and get some efficiency. We're also working with clients now um, to understand you know, what sort of data capture requirements they, they need, need yeah. for their own operations, what type of data insights they actually require to make decisions for various different stakeholders, and then to be able to deploy um, Fieldforce for them mm -hmm. so that they can actually get going with it. They don't have to um, come to us and you know, Fieldforce comes attached to a person you know, doing the inspection yeah. for them. They can so, do it themselves. So we're, we're, the basic premise of what it started at solving a problem for a project, mm -hmm. Then said, how do we actually scale this across the business? And now it's actually in the hands of some customers yep. being used by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yes. pretty amazing. The impact that you're having, mm. and you're not a tech company, are you? No, no <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Investment in your own OP has opened yes. up a new yes. revenue stream potentially. Yeah. Exactly. Where an off-the-shelf thing would have been nothing to do with that. Yes. You'd have been like, yeah, we use this yeah. tool. Go sort it out yourself. What does exactly that, right. What does that do for the brand recognition of Oricon that you're actually making an impact in different ways now rather than what you did to business as usual, what, two or three years ago? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's definitely, uh, it definitely differentiates us from, from competitors where, um, whereas the, the services that others might provide us, it, you know, it comes with our people. You know? mm -hmm. If you want inspections done, yes. we do it for you. We yeah. deliver you um, a report. Yep. and that's sort of where it ends. Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, with us, we can actually provide a more ongoing, dynamic solution for the client. You know, we talked about prosumer, yes. um, mm -hmm. you know, a move before. Yep. Um, so we're seeing that our clients are actually wanting to become prosumers. They want to do it themselves. They just mm -hmm. need the tools, the guidance, the right setup. And so yes. the the advisory work moves from us doing the inspection and then yep. providing them the, the report at the end, mm -hmm. to us being the advisors on how they need to set up this whole okay. um, process to capture, or well, to set up, to capture, to report on, to extract insights from yeah, well, data that they can yeah, do themselves. So you're being leveraged more for the knowledge yes. and processes that you have rather than just the ability to do a specific task. Yeah, That would probably be... Um, Quite interesting when you have that conversation, obviously internally around the hours you charge for. Because if you start charging hours for just that little IP snippet, that's the challenge. Yeah. yeah. So that's a different business model exactly. completely. So yeah. How do you rethink that? What have you been thinking about to actually roll that through more of a scale perspective? Yeah. So there's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely a challenge because it does cannibalise some does, of the yeah. um, some of the the short term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, work that we could be winning. That's basically um, what Apple did with the uh, uh, releasing the iPhone, killed the iPad. Yeah, iPod, iPod. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah that's exactly. that product is gone. But well, that's the thing. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the, that sort of work, it's it, you know, it's being commoditized at such yeah. a rate. You know, there are organisations mm -hmm. out there that do manual inspection work. Yeah, piece of paper. Yeah, yeah piece of okay. paper. But yeah. they specialise in it. Mm -hmm. They've got a you know a workforce yeah. that ju that's just all does they do. that. So. Okay. So there are, you know, outsourcing options for, for people. So, you know, at a at a as a high end um, yep. engineering consulting firm, we've got to constantly think. Well, mm. if that's been commoditized, we we need to yeah. be able to somehow let go of things over okay. time. Yeah, we have to stop doing certain things. Yeah. Otherwise, we just start to slip down to tier two, tier three, whatever. Yeah, yeah the value is um, not in that low level work. No, exactly. it's knowledge and experience yes. and a high yeah. level task that yeah. you have to be trained and specialised in. Yeah, but but these sort of applications still allow us to be involved in that type of work, but mm. we're just helping, um, you know, from a higher, more, 
guess, high-end activity, you know, so a high-value activity. It's a different level, right? It's pulling out those bits and pieces and tasks that, yeah, like I said, are commoditized. So every business out there that's doing those day-to-day things that are generating a lot of revenue, um, not much margin, these are the things that are going to end up kicking off the, off, the, off the pot, really. Yeah. You don't want to be doing these things. Yeah. Um, you've got to be looking at what your biggest value is in an organisation. I think you're doing that quite well, mm-hmm. and it's all about the knowledge, um, educating the customer on what needs mm-hmm. to be done, and consulting in on that. That's where the real value is. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, the, you know particularly in this, this context, it is inevitable that these things will be automated yep. once, like, totally in the in future. In so, what way do you perceive that to be? So inspections or...? Yeah, so we, yeah. we've got a, mm-hmm. you know, we've got yeah. um, uh, invested yes. um, in a new um, data and analytics team, yep. which oh. was um, born out of the, the Digital Futures team. We had a um, part of it called Digital Insights. Okay. So it's all around, you know, machine learning, yep. um, you know, more advanced data mm-hmm. analytics um, approaches. Mm-hmm. And some of the the bulk of the work that we've actually been doing is probably around using computer vision for okay. you know automating visual inspection activities. Yeah, nice. So, so you set up enough sensors everywhere, and you yeah. don't need someone. If yeah. you've got if you've got imagery, yes. you've got video, that stuff can be analysed. Yeah, you know. get it. So and we've the done same things. Being sort of applied then to the high level work for you guys as well, to so the engineering and design. Because if you throw enough AI at something and trained it well enough, it can design what a person can design. Well, we're seeing differently it. as well, not just the way we've been trained yes. to do things. We're seeing it happen um, definitely. You know, we there are platforms out there that automate, um, essentially automate the site selection process for infrastructure. So mm-hmm. okay. looks at all the parameters that you need to consider. It takes in all when, the data. Yeah, yeah when building tools. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like um, you know, proximity to you know the the grid, um, mm-hmm. you know weather conditions, whatever. Like footfall, traffic flows, whatever, yep. um, and you know, it actually starts to automate the site selection process, planning overlays, whatnot. And what um, sort of work would be required in that for a team like yours? Is it a, a lot of effort to deliver that? To develop something yeah. like that? Um, not develop from a top, to deliver that as a solution. Actually, as a person delivering that, or as people, stakeholders? Traditionally. Yeah, yeah traditionally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, yeah. there would be yeah. you know, significant effort going into yeah. doing something like that. Um, yeah, this, the same goes for like configuration of infrastructure as well. So okay. you know, you've got buildings, you've got a certain footprint, you've yep. got certain requirements for a building. You know, there's applications already available that will automate that process. Nice. It will it will give you thousands of options of layouts, and it will start to whittle it, help you whittle it down based on your requirements. Well, it's going to fit the requirements, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, get it. So the, these sort of things are. And it's, it's some of the bread and butter for mm. um, for engineering organisations, okay. and it's starting to be automated. So yeah. you need to, we need to figure out clever ways of, of mm-hmm. still adding value to those processes. Yes, um, whether it be yeah we do it ourselves or mm-hmm. we just have to shift to, to higher end and work. Okay. Is that a space where sort of a traditional engineering firm would think an AI couldn't do that and it needed a human touch? I think I think a couple of years back, a lot of people mm-hmm. would be thinking. No, not going to happen. AI possible, is yeah. not going to be able to do some of the things that it does, mm-hmm. you know, um, as standard now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think yeah. you know, one project that we've done for um, City of Cape Town is yep. measuring their all their road assets mm-hmm. across um, the whole city, and 
you know, in the, in the past, that's a that's a very manual process where someone's going out with a trundle wheel yep. and mm-hmm. taking point measurements along every every, every street in the Count, city. Counting clicks. <laughs> really, it is. Yeah. Um, but now using aerial imagery, yep. you know, that's we've, we've developed a model that can do that on an ongoing basis. Yep. It's you know, continuous it update. Be, yeah. Exactly, continuous update. That yeah. doesn't have to be a yeah. you know, massive undertaking once every three years or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the whole dynamic of this sort of stuff is changing based on new um, new approaches that you know, are probably, you know, they're well founded in yes. in research and academia yeah. and you know, computer vision is not a new yeah. thing, no. but it is becoming so commoditized yeah and so accessible mm. to every business now that it is really starting to make an impact on, on mm. the um, tools and processes that uh, have traditionally been used. And that's what's shaking up the business, business models because we, we don't know what we don't know. We, don't know. we have a rough indication of where we might be, mm-hmm. but in 10, 20 years' time, like if you stood back 10 years, 20 years previous to now, so in the 90s, we wouldn't know where we were going to be. Yeah, you can make exactly. an assumption, a guess. Oh. We can guess that we're all going to be fully automated and there's no jobs for anybody, but what is that the many, case? How many what people is thought, it that's going to be happening? Yeah. We don't really know. How many people yeah. thought we were going to die in the year 2000? Yeah, Just like, like yeah. <laughs> they couldn't <laughs> yeah. even see beyond that. Yeah, they thought that, yeah, computers are going to blow up, yeah. and, uh, yeah, planes exactly. are going to fall out of the sky. Exactly. Like, we don't so know. It's, yeah, it's yeah. hard to predict two, three years. Yeah, and I think you don't know. You just have to be in it. You've got to be active. Yes, you know, you've got to be constantly learning by doing. Yes, and I think you know the risk is Mm -hmm. organisations wait and see. Yeah, yeah, you can't wait. There is no that you can pass. Yeah, Yeah, there is no point in time where there is an epiphany moment where you go, everything is now crystal clear. (laughs) We know exactly what we need to invest in now. We know exactly what our business needs to be. Yes, that is never going to happen. It is a constant. Unknowing and there's yeah, a constant, yeah. there's constant uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You have to be in there, um, doing it yes. to actually mm-hmm. pull your way through it properly, yeah, yeah. so that you can adapt quickly. Because that's where things happen. Fail fast comes from. The quickest, the best thing you can do is to learn something didn't work as quick as possible. Yeah, exactly. And that's the challenge in corporate. Once again, like all corporate started at something small at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And they would have been learning quickly, evolving and shifting. But the world we live in now is that fast moving mm-hmm. 50, 100 years ago. It's a very different world. Yep. Um, yeah, Developing a process and trying to look at how you can deliver it at scale is very different to what you're doing now. It's all about tech-based stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say yeah. just the last yeah. or 30 years, so from the 90s yeah. till now, since computers Huge have become change. prevalent in the internet yes. and then Huge what's change. Grown yeah. in that time has yeah. challenged everything. Yeah, exactly. It's a different age. Now. Yeah. yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, people thought in the fifties, yeah. right, we'd be yeah. flying flying cars and nuclear yes. reactors as engines in yeah. the nineties. But yeah. yeah, we didn't go that way. It's gone no. more technology as a tool, not yeah. big shiny things. And the age that you're in, yeah, it's got software. Not yeah, so hard. like in the thirties, it was Mars and aliens because that was the new thing that people were learning about in the fifties. And it's nuclear technology, so that's yes. a nuclear thing, but. I don't think a big thing that that's going to happen now because of the space we're in with the technology is all about automation and making things easier. Yeah, and that's what's going to spin out of that is what else? Because, like I think the a good example of that's like the Concorde was developed between British and, and the French, and that was all about how fast can we get a plane going. But where's the Concorde now? It's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about how do we ship people cheaply, efficiently, and it's yep. not about speed at all. Yep. Um, so there's very the things change, different thinking changes. Yep. So. In 10 years' time, we might be having a very different conversation around where we are and what's actually evolved because in the end, we're only going to learn and evolve as we go. Yeah. Um, and people are really important to the way we deliver things. Mm-hmm. We 
can't expect to live in a world where everything's automated. What are we going to do and what the value is? Mm-hmm. I think that personal connection and touch and knowledge and understanding and empathy is a key pivotal thing that we have as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that continuously has to be a part of our business and the value that we add. Yeah, Who wants to work with a business that's all just technology-based? Um, yeah. That's all just completely automated. There's no one to talk to. It um, depends on the yeah. theory subscriber because yeah. people that yes. think that it will go completely yeah. automated yeah. and will be a creative society only, yeah. that'll be the outlet for everything. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like that's one train of thought. Is. Yeah, one train of thought. Yeah. And I think that yeah. is, and that's yeah, definitely like universal working. income and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. gives you time to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do yeah. it. Yes. But is that going to be enough to fulfill people? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No, well, I, think, I think there's definitely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're having conversations yeah. internally about um, the future of our mm-hmm. workforce and, and what yeah. types of skills people are going to require yeah um and you definitely do have a, a train of thought that goes purely towards you yeah. like the soft skills yes, for people do. but there is yeah. definitely the need yeah. for deep deep technical skills yes. yeah still and i think that's is often harder to speak about because we're not exactly sure what type of skills we um, need in that sort of technical context so yeah. people sort of Tend to go to the soft skills because yeah. they can understand, yep. and that's where the, the conversation gets dominated. Yep. Um, but it's it's what is that mix between highly deeply technical yeah. and, um, and soft as well? It's a balance, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's like I said, we don't really know exactly, but there's yeah. some pivotal direction. We are automating, we are evolving, and we are establishing new opportunities and thinking around that too, mm-hmm. and new business models and ventures. Yep. Right. Looking to the future. So for Oricon, um, we've also had a chat about where things might be going. What are you you're investing in? So you're investing in a bit of AI, machine learning, um, different tools and technology for your clients and people. What's the objective? What's the next three to five years look like? What's the vision for the business? Mm-hmm. Um, and is it just continuously investing in technology and how you efficiently improve? Is it exploring other business opportunities, other diversifying the business model? What does it look like? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, a good question and something that... Um, I don't think anyone's got a clear picture okay. of, you know, it's obviously there's a, a whole range of potential scenarios that um, we could could imagine. Yes. Um, and we're setting ourselves up for, mm-hmm. for those, you know, to go in whichever direction um, is viable. But I definitely think that we'll see less and less of the, I guess, the traditional um, type of engineering work that we might have been used to in, yes. um, happening in the past. I mean, things like computational design, parametric design, um, you know, practices are really, it's automating huge chunks of, of what engineers might have done in the past. Yeah. In the past. So the definition of what we're doing definitely needs to change. And I think that's really around understanding, better understanding why we're building certain things or yep. why we're designing certain things um, the way we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it used to be that engineering companies would you know, get a brief from a client that have budget, um, that have scheduling constraints, that have whatever other constraints that were uh, presented to them, and then they'd find the best solution within those things. Constraints, yeah. But I think those um, those constraints need to sort of, um, yeah, shift over time, The how we understand them. We need to understand what our clients' businesses are actually trying to achieve. Yes. Um, First and foremost, what are their outcomes and deliver upon those rather than just here's a project? Yeah, yeah. and we need to think about the physical infrastructure as mm. as a means to an end yep. or a business or an outcome. Mm. It isn't the outcome itself. No, no. and that's in the um, AEC industry, the architecture, engineering, mm. construction industry. That tends to be 
obviously where we focus because that's the the final product um, most of the time is the is the physical infrastructure. Yes. So we think about it as the be all end all, but it isn't for the client. No. They're concerned with um, you know, how their business is running, whether it's profitable, mm-hmm. whether they're doing right in a corporate social responsibility um, yep. context, those types of things. So we need to better understand. It's an asset to that business, right? Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's not the. It's not what's delivering outcomes to that business. Yep. So it's a way they can get to an outcome, yep. but it's not. Yeah. Like you yep. said, the be all end all. Exactly. Yeah. It's an asset that's yep. um that's helping them yes. um, deliver capture, deliver and capture value yeah. basically. Yes. Yeah, so the, yeah, the train tracks. Um, their business if the trains are running and move people around or yes. cargo around or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So we need to um, start to um, get better at um, understanding that, understanding our clients' businesses, where they're trying to take their, their businesses, how these technological advances are actually, um, or and, and social changes and, yep. and whatnot are, um, are impacting their business models. And then how do the physical assets need to change to actually continue to support what they're trying to achieve? Okay. So obviously we're seeing the um, industries like the, the the energy industry changing rapidly. Yes. You know, you're moving from centralized um, vertical power generating um, organizations to more distributed energy generation and and, um, and transfer. What does that mean for our current clients that are you know, maybe were the, the power generators um, in the past, the core power generators. What are they doing? Yeah, how so, are they evolving, basically? Exactly. Yeah. So if everyone can be a power generator with solar panels on yeah. the roof and sell back to the grid and trade yeah, with one another, you know, what's, what is that business now? And what happens to the physical infrastructure mm-hmm. that they've currently got and how does it have to be repurposed yep. you know, going forward? Um, so these are, so we definitely need to think beyond just mm-hmm. the, the kind of the technology. Um, we need to think about um, how it's impacting the businesses of our clients and then what okay. that means for how we design mm-hmm. um, the physical infrastructure that they require for these totally new paradigms that mm. you know, maybe never previously were even envisioned. So your solutions have to be scalable effectively to meet the changes that need to come through long-term and yep. the shifts in their industries. I think, yeah, that we need to we need to be thinking forward, not just going, okay, well, yep. you want a building? All right, let's... Yeah, and clearly you're putting position yourself with a big advantage if you're thinking that way and you're bringing this mindset into an organization like Oricom to actually shift the change of businesses that you're working with because mm-hmm. you're thinking ahead three five years and what they they could be and the position they're in mm-hmm. you're able to talk to them in a different conversation it's not about all right what, what are we building today mm-hmm. it's about where are we going tomorrow yeah um, and if they're all on that journey like you said they're engaging with the technology yeah. building um, they're engaging with the thought and the people that you're working with. Mm. That's a very big um, competitive advantage that you're establishing mm. if you continue going down that, down that path. Yeah, yeah. 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 exciting so stuff. Think, mm. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's um, it's obviously mm-hmm. unclear about yeah. where exactly you know how yeah. what sort of exact shape you know company like Oracle would take, yeah. but um, mm. but you know we're I think we're investing in the right places. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it. Investing yeah. in the yeah. technology, investing in the capabilities, yeah. investing in you know that um, the the different ways of thinking, um, differing in um, investing in more commercial acumen, different um, skills in terms of you know IP and, and different legal considerations. These sort of things um, will all help us actually you know build a platform for whatever might come. Yep. I think like what you said there, being unclear is 
probably a good place to be if you move towards a learning environment um, and clearly made that shift to let's learn, evolve and grow as a business. In even short-term thinking, how does that impact long-term thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you're unclear, that's a good thing. So everyone out there that's unclear, listening in on yep, this, that's exactly. okay. Uh, exactly. But you need that learning mindset. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be unclear forever and you're going to be stuck. So yeah, you're taking measures to, to yeah. figure things out. Yes, exactly. But you're never going to be 100% clear on anything. Yeah. Exactly. I think the said before, being complacent is, is yeah. the risk yes. and waiting to see. It's fine yeah. to be unclear, but yeah. you still need to be... Taking action, taking action doing something yeah. to move you in the right direction. Yeah, because yeah. by doing, you're learning. And yep. that's, um, and that's not very good. That's, that's where the value is. Probably a good takeaway for everyone that's out there. If you haven't actually done anything from a digital or been really invested in your processes, take a step back and just look at how you can learn. Do maybe dip your toe in the water, look at a little project that um, is about improving or defining something and just take it as a learning experience and evolve from there. It's like anything we don't know what we don't know until we dip our toe in the water and actually give something a go so um, just on that um, we deal with obviously some corporate businesses but then some mid-tier some smaller type guys um, some are more agile than others when you're jumping into this sort of realm what are some key takeaways obviously from this conversation that we can tip home into some people as to say okay here's a good place to start if you haven't done much in this vein yet yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting one because mm. the large corporates are yeah. obviously very different to the, the small we've got. Yeah. Far more, I guess, yes. resources yes. available to be able to start to experiment. Yeah. Yep. So obviously, um, smaller players need to be mm. a little bit more frugal, I guess, yes. or a little bit more direct. But yeah. I think most definitely, what is highly important is to make sure that you're constantly you constantly have a finger on the pulse. Yeah. I think if you are um, just staying internal, just you know, um, just focused on business as usual. You aren't speaking to um, your customers. Yep. You aren't going out um, to conferences, to events. Mm-hmm. To um, you aren't reading. You know what is coming and how your industry is potentially um, you know, transforming. I think that's when there's significant risk. I think there's there's a lot that we can all do for little to, to no cost. Yes. Which is just have conversations, go out, speak to people yep. in different industries, look at adjacent industries mm-hmm. as well. Um, look at what's happening overseas. Are there certain trends that you can start to see that are emerging that actually might translate into your particular industry? Yeah, no, it's a good tip for everyone. That's yeah, start educating yourself really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We all need to be learning, and that's that learning mindset again. If you're not focusing on what's going on, yeah, um, I think I think if you do have some um, you know some resources, yeah. then you know there's there's a lot you can do with um, quite low tech. Mm-hmm. You know solutions. Yep. Yeah, yep. A, a website designed in the right way can yes. totally change a mm. um, you know, business practice mm. or generate a whole new line of revenue, whatever yes. it might yeah. be. Not everything has to be custom made. There's no, so not tools those. you can use everywhere to leverage. Even mm. if you use ten of them to do the one thing, as long as they're put together the right way, it'll yes. make a difference. Exactly. So you know it could be around just creating dashboards to give you better insight into your business um, processes. Could be. Um, a new website to connect with a client and a customer in a different way yeah, that's giving it. you a, a type of insight that you never mm-hmm. had before. Mm-hmm. Um, these things are relatively quick, easy, mm-hmm. relatively cheap ways of, um, of dipping your toe in the water, as you say, yep. um, and but can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it just it will unlock what is potentially next. Yeah, give it, you yeah. an insight into 
okay, well, actually, that's given me a brand new idea. We can mm. move in this direction. So. so basically, get out there, educate yourself, talk to your customers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and evolve with them, yeah. um, and evolve your business from there. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Um, been awesome. Oh, good. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, yeah no, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, it's been really, really good. And um, good insights there. So, yeah, um, if you want to check out Oricon, um, have a look at them. Oh, I think it's oricon.com.au. Or it's Oricon Group. Yeah, it's oricongroup.com. Yeah. Um, check them out, see what they're doing. It's some all these innovating stuff they're doing across even all facets of their business, um, not just in digital. So they're all, all different facets in HR and the type of things they do there across all their silos. So have a look at them. Check him out. Um, and if you want to have a look time. at Stuart, yeah. we'll put his LinkedIn profile on. Yeah, we'll share that the recording as well. As well so, so have a look at that, and you can yeah. see what he does. Yeah, there'll be more detail there. Yeah, awesome. No, thanks, thanks guys. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, thanks. Stuart. Cheers, mate.